good morning. Welcome to South Park Church. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. So glad to have all of you with us here today in person in our combined service on Palm Sunday. To those of you watching online, listening to our podcast, we welcome you in as well. Uh, it's a good day to be together to worship God. Uh, as Chris said earlier, we're in a series called In Plain Sight, in which we're looking at how we can see God in our everyday lives. I know a lot of times we think of God in uh, big, transforming ways like creating the universe or doing some kind of a miracle, calming storms, which God does and and has done things like that, but most of the time we see God in our everyday lives. And so we've been talking about how is God in plain sight? Where can we see God? How can we open our eyes to see God? And so if you're here today looking for God, then I think you're in the right place as we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to open our eyes to encounter the risen Jesus Christ. Uh, and we've been looking at one object each week, uh, an everyday kind of tangible object that Jesus would have encountered on his way to Jerusalem uh, for the last time where he was going to die. And so we continue doing that today. Earlier this week, I was away for a couple of days on a clergy retreat out of town up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's just beautiful to, to be up there with other clergy. And uh, when I was on the way home, uh, my wife called me and my boys called me and said, hey, where are you? You know, we were expecting you a little bit earlier. I'd gotten away later. And so it's nice to be missed. Uh, when I got home, my dog came up and she started jumping on me and licking me and all that kind of stuff. And then Laura gave me a hug. Nathan ran and jumped on me. And Luke gave me a, a big greeting as well, and so it was, it was nice to be missed, and it was good to have that kind of a homecoming. Those are the in plain sight kind of moments, like for me, that just I treasure. There's nothing better than that, and so in your life, when have you been welcomed home warmly? When have you been welcomed by a family member or a friend or maybe even colleagues or maybe somebody at school that, that cares about you? When did you receive a great welcome? Well, today's Palm Sunday, and we're going to talk about how Jesus received this amazing welcome. It was in the first century in Israel and Jerusalem, and the people of Israel were ruled by another nation. They were ruled by the Roman government. They didn't like that, and they wanted to be self-ruled. And so they were looking forward to the time that a leader would come uh, and defeat the Romans. They were looking back a thousand years before to their King David, who was the greatest military and political leader that the country had ever known. And and there were prophecies that there would be another leader like that. And many people thought that Jesus of Nazareth was that one. And so Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and he's going to come in, and he's going to receive a king's welcome. The people think Jesus is there to save them, which he is, but he's going to save them in a different way than they expect. But it doesn't stop him from getting this great welcome. So let's jump into the scriptures and see the welcome that Jesus received. From Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Tie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? Why are you stealing our colt? And they replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. Remember these words. We'll come back to in just a minute. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. When along, people spread their cloaks on the road. 
When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop this. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will cry out. So Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. The people are expecting a king, and they give him this king's welcome. They lay down their coats on the ground for him to ride over with his colt and uh, other passages of scripture say that the, they wave palm branches. That's why the kids in the choir possessed in today with palm branches. Today's Palm Sunday. The palm was a sign of, of nationalism, of independence. And the people were wanting, it's kind of like a 4th of July parade. People were wanting that leader to come in. And so they welcomed Jesus in this amazing way. And I want to go back to those verses that I highlighted there that talked about how the disciples laid their cloaks on the colt so Jesus wouldn't have to ride bareback. And then the people in the crowd took their coats off and they laid them on the road for Jesus to ride over. So today's object is a coat. I brought one of my coats. This is one of my favorite coats. Um, I'll put it on. I feel like Mr. Rogers putting on his sweater. <laughs> Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, so I like this coat. It's warm. Uh, it's, it's dressy. I don't wear it a lot. I wear it when it's cold outside and I need to dress up in a suit or whatever. But what I love about this coat is my grandfather's coat. Uh, and so he didn't have it very long before he died, but it was passed on to me. And so I've taken really good care of it. And so I just, I love this coat. It has a lot of meaning to me. And so I have to be honest, there, there, there are not a lot of people that I would take this off and lay down in the dirt for you to ride over with your horse. Okay. I love you guys. Right. But, but I don't know if I would do that for just anybody. Um, but the people on that Palm Sunday, we, we know the palms and all that stuff, but they took their coats off. And their coats meant more to them than that coat of my grandfather means to me, right? So in Israel, first century, people wore like a tunic, kind of like a long shirt. That would be what they wore underneath, right? They had like a sash or whatever. And then on top of that, they, they would wear a cloak or a coat. And this was very important to them because it kept the sun off them. Uh, it kept the dust off them. And at night, most of them, especially the poor, it's what they slept in, right? So their coat was like their lifeline. Right? It, even like if, if someone took a loan out and they needed to give collateral and they gave their coat as collateral because it was so much money and value to them, right? at the end of the day when the sun was getting ready to go down, the creditor had to return their coat to them so they could sleep in it. Right? So this is a big deal. This is, this is like a red carpet, but it's even better than a red carpet. People are taking off like a lifeline and they're laying it down for Jesus to ride over to say, we think you're the guy. We're glad you're here. Welcome. We revere you. It was a pretty big deal with the palms and the coats. And what I think is interesting about it is that the people gave Jesus what they had. Right? They gave Jesus the best that they had. They, they held nothing back from Jesus. And so I wonder if we are like the Palm Sunday crowd. That when it comes to our relationship to God, do we offer God what we have? Do we offer God our best or do we hold something back from Jesus? Do we offer God our hearts? Do we offer God our minds? Do we offer God our strength and our 
our being? Do we offer God our worship like today, right? Un unbridled worship? Do we offer God our time? Do we offer God our money? What would it look like for you to lay down your coat before Jesus? What would that look like in your life as we think about seeing God in everyday life? What would it look like not to hold anything back from Jesus? Just like that Let's keep going through Scripture and see other places that we can find out things about coats. We're going to go into the Old Testament, and this is um, way back. And uh, God's describing for the priests, right, the religious leaders, what they should dress like. Let's look at this. These are the garments they are to make. A breast piece, an ephod, a robe, and woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. And they're to make these sacred garments for your brother Aaron and his sons, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. Right? So here's a, here's a couple of images. Uh, one is a drawing, one is a recreation of what the priest of Israel would have worn. Pretty fancy stuff, isn't it? Right? There are like jewels on that thing that he's wearing on, on the front, like his breastplate there. So... Um, that's pretty fancy. I'm glad I don't have to wear that every Sunday, though, but uh, it, it's pretty. All right, so why did they have to do this? I think it's it, it, God's simply saying that people should know who you are and what you're doing, right? You're a priest. You're set apart. You're supposed to lead these worship services. We want people to know who you are, right? And I think we continue to do that in our lives, like in, in your profession. What do you dress like? Like a lot of times, right, we'll, we'll know what someone does by what they wear, like a police officer or a firefighter, they have the uniforms and they have the badges, right? And I'm guessing when you graduate from police school or fire school that you can't wait to get your badge, you can't wait to get your uniform, it's, it's what you work for. If you're a physician, you wear the long white coat, right? You have to earn that, that coat to do that. If you work in the medical field, you wear scrubs, uh, and that's something that I'm sure makes you feel proud. If you're uh, an attorney or a business person, you dress up in a nice suit. If you're a, an athlete, you wear the uniform. Right? What do you do? What are, what are you called by God to do? And, and, and how do you dress the part? And, and what does that, how, do you, how are you set apart so people know that is who you are and, and what you do? So another question might be for us today as we think about coats and clothes representing who we are and what we do. When people look at us, Right? As followers of Jesus, how do they know that we're followers of Jesus? Right? A lot of Catholic priests wear clergy collars, right? clerical collars. Right? We don't do that in, in our denomination, but that is the symbol of why people do that. Some pastors wear robes on Sunday morning. Some pastors dress in suits, and some people are more relaxed. Right? We have different styles of worship here in our church, and you can come to this church and wear anything that you feel like. But if you want to dress up, you want to dress down, right, I want you to feel comfortable and come before God. But in our lives, how do people know that we follow God? Some of us might wear a cross or, or something like that. But I think more important than what we look like is what we do and how we act and how we treat other people. Right? So when someone sees you, they might know that you're a physician or you're a teacher uh, or you're an attorney. But when someone looks at you, how can they know that you're a follower of Jesus? Maybe one thing for us to think about is the way that we treat and act towards other people. Right? Something to think about. Uh, one other thing that people uh, in ancient Israel wore 
uh, that kind of set them apart was a prayer shawl. I'll show you a picture of that here. Um, see that? And sometimes they pull it over their heads, uh, especially the men. You can find this in some of the passages in the book of like Numbers and Deuteronomy. Uh, basically, it was, it was just, a, again, to say, hey, I'm a follower of God. I'm part of the, the nation of Israel, and it, it sets us apart, right? And so it's just you could see by that picture, you could see by someone wearing that. Now, the Christian church, we don't, we don't wear things like that anymore, but, but we, we do have the practice of, of prayer shawls. Uh, we have a, a group uh, in our church threaded uh, with prayers. They're a knitting group, uh, and they do some really cool things. They knit prayer shawls like this. They knit baby blankets. They, they knit caps for people who have cancer and, and their hair is falling out. They take those to hospitals, and it's a really powerful ministry and if that's something that you you might sound interested in see me after and i'll connect you with them uh they take a passage of scripture from the book of psalms where god says i knit you in your mother's womb and so they knit for jesus it's really cool and so they make full prayer shawls that uh, we take to people who are in the hospital who are going to have surgery or are battling some kind of serious illness and what it symbolizes is like wrapping ourselves in god's love wrapping ourselves up in prayer to God, and it's a powerful thing. And so today when you came in, I hope you were, were handed one of these little things. This is not a full prayer shawl, but they call this a pocket prayer shawl, if you want to get that out. And what this is is simply it's a way to kind of tangibly think about God. So maybe if you're going through a, a tough time in your life and you need to have prayer or you have something good going on in your life and you want to thank God, right? maybe you can just grab this pocket prayer shawl and kind of rub it and just Use it as a tangible way to say, this is the time for me to pray. It's not magic. It's not required. You don't have to use this to talk to God. But it's, it's a ministry that helps us tangibly say, God loves me. I can be wrapped in God's cloak of, of love and care. Uh, and so it's just our gift to you today, maybe, as you think about who we are and representing God and just a, a tangible way, just kind of pray and kind of feel, mine feels good anyway. So anyway, it's, it's something... That, that we want to give you guys today as a takeaway from, from this morning. Uh, how do people know that we are followers of Christ? More so in what we say and do more than what we wear. All right, let's keep going in Scripture as we think about a cloak or a coat. This one's going back into the book of Genesis. Uh, we're going to learn about a man named Jacob who had 12 sons. They're going to be the 12 tribes of Israel uh, that become the nation of Israel that help people find out who Jesus is. This is... This is their story. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, one of Jacob's sons, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. So Joseph is tattletelling on his brothers. Not a good way to get in their good graces. Now Israel, that's another name for Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons playing favorites, not a good thing to do, because he'd been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated Joseph and could not speak a kind word to him. So Jacob has these 12 sons. They're going to become the 12 tribes of Israel. Israel's going to become the nation that introduces to, to the world Jesus, right? This is a very important family in the history of salvation. Uh, and Jacob loves his sons, but he makes a, a cardinal sin, right? He has a favorite. He favors Joseph over the others because he had him when, when Jacob was old, right? And so Joseph 
uh, is a tattletale. He also has these dreams in which his brothers bow down to him, and instead of keeping that to himself, he tells them, kind of, nan, 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 you know, right, you're going to bow down to me, right? And so now his father's given him this coat that you might have heard of this. We, we call it the coat of many colors, right? Or Joseph and the Technicolor Dream Coat. It's, uh, I think it's coming to Blumenthal this year as, as the musical is coming, right? So Joseph is hated by his brothers, and the coat that he wears symbolizes that his dad has played favorites. And so his brothers hate him. And they talk about wanting to hurt him. They talk about wanting to kill him. And they, they almost kill him. But at the last minute, one of the brothers intercedes. So let's don't kill him, right? Let's just beat him up. They beat, beat the snot out of him. They throw him into a pit. And then they sell him into slavery. They human traffic their brother, right, to, to slave traders from another country and so he's gone. They take his coat that, that they hate. They rip it up. They put animal blood on it. They take it back to their dad and said, Joseph's dead. Right? You talk about dysfunctional family, right? Right? If we're honest, all of our families are dysfunctional, right? Uh, some of us put the fun in dysfunctional. Uh, but, uh, right, what's interesting about this is, like, this is a family of God who's chosen to be a forerunning family, to, to become the nation of Israel, who's, who's going to introduce Jesus Christ to the whole world. Wouldn't you think that God would have picked a non-dysfunctional family, a functional family? What does that tell us? This is what I think it tells us. God works through all of our family stories, even the most painful and dysfunctional. God works through all of our family stories, even the most painful and dysfunctional. If God can work through the dysfunctional family of Jacob, who played favorites, and his sons tried to kill his other son, sold him into slavery, right? If God can work through that family, God can work through your family. Our family stories are important to us. And some of those are good stories, and some of those are hard stories, right? But God is at work in all of our families, right? So if you have a great family, celebrate that. If you have a family that has some trauma and some drama, right, know that God is with you. And God is working to bring good through your family. If God can work through Jacob's family, God can work through your family. That's powerful stuff. The good news in uh, this story is that Joseph ends up being a ruler of Egypt, and he saves Egypt and Israel from a famine. His brothers come, and they bow down to him. They don't know that it's him, and he forgives them, and he reveals himself. And so there's reconciliation. There's hope in our families for reconciliation. But we also have to know that sometimes it's not going to happen in this life. But we have the hope that it will happen in the next life. But the story of Joseph mirrors the story of Jesus. A son who was once dead is now alive and saves the world, right? And so the story of Joseph points us to that when our spiritual family, when we are out of connection with God, we can be forgiven and be restored into right relationship. And that God works in through all families, even families with coats of many colors that stain them. All right, let's keep going uh, in Scripture here today. Uh, this is uh, a teaching from Jesus, what's called the Sermon of the Mount. This is probably one of the hardest things that Jesus ever said. Right? And let's see what he says about it and how does it relate to coats this morning. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Right? Somebody does something to you, you, you can do the same thing back to them. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. 
And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is tough stuff. What is Jesus talking about here? Right? He says, if someone smacks you on one cheek, right? what you probably want to do if you're like me is I want to smack the person back, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, if they hit you on one side, then turn the other side and let them hit the other side. What? Really? Then he says, if, if someone sues you for your, for your shirt, remember that tunic, the inside thing that the person wears in Israel, right? Don't just give them that, but give them what? The coat, right? The thing that, that's the outer shell, the thing that's worth more than the shirt itself, right? So Jesus says, give them the one thing, but also give them the coat, which now we know is very valuable to the people. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Why should I do that? And then he says to them, if someone asks you to go a mile, go two miles with them. This is not somebody who's looking into your fitness health, right? Hey, let's go run a couple miles. The Roman soldiers in Israel could make you do anything that they wanted to do. Right? Say, hey, I need you to move my stuff a mile down the street. I need you to do it right now. If you don't do it, I'll kill you and I'll kill all your family. That's what the Romans could do to the, to the Israelites. And so Jesus is saying, or if they ask you to haul stuff a mile away, say, hey, I'd be glad to do that for two miles. What's Jesus saying in this passage? Like, that's just so hard, right? To give up the coat that's more valuable than the shirt that they're asking for. What's Jesus saying? Now, we have to be careful with this because this scripture has been misinterpreted and misused a lot of times, especially by people who are in abusive relationships. They say, you know what? Jesus says, turn the other cheek. This person's abusing me. I might as well let them do it. That's not what Jesus is saying. If you're being abused by anyone in any way, physically, emotionally, sexually, right, it's not okay. And it's okay for you to fight against that. It's okay for you to get away from that. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Okay. Also, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek justice in the world. right? If somebody does something that's wrong, there are consequences. If you break a law, you, you have to pay a fine. You have to go to jail. If you, if you cheat on your spouse, you're probably going to get divorced. right? If you cheat on a test at school, you, you're going to flunk out. right? Jesus is not saying... Ignore justice, right? We need to fight for justice in the world. We need to fight against racism and all sorts of oppression in the world. Right? That's not what Jesus said. But what is Jesus saying? He's saying whenever possible, when someone does wrong to you and you want to retaliate and get revenge, try to work towards reconciliation. Try to stop the, the process of you hurt me, I hurt you, you hurt me, I hurt you. If at all possible, stop the cycle work towards reconciliation. Now, you remember we talked about Joseph wearing the coat of many colors and uh, that got him into trouble. I wonder today how many of us are wearing our own coat of many colors in which we're going around and we don't know it, but we're hurting someone else in the world. I wonder how we might be wearing a coat of many colors that's hurting someone else. God, open my eyes to see how I might be hurting someone. Or when we read this passage of scripture when Jesus, where it says someone smacks you in the face, someone steals your coat, right? If someone asks you to walk a mile, what happens when we're the ones who are smacking someone in the face? What happens when we're the one who are stealing their coat? What happens when we're the one who are forcing them to go a mile, right? When we take a step back and we see that we become the aggressor, how can we stop that? Who in your life right now is God asking you to seek to reconcile with right now? 
person maybe you literally punched in the face or someone you assassinated their character behind their back someone that you've taken their coat who could you maybe What's the big idea today? What's the takeaway? What's the point? This is what I think it is. Hold nothing back from the one who gave everything for you. Hold nothing back from Jesus who gave everything for you. Don't hold back our hearts. Don't hold back our reconciliation. Don't hold back our forgiveness of people who've wronged us. Hold nothing back from the one who gave everything for you. So today share with you just a couple of action steps. They're, they're really questions. We've been doing questions a lot in this series. And just want you to get your pocket uh, prayer shawl out uh, and just pick one or two of these questions. And this week, I want you to wrestle with one or two of these questions. Get your, your pocket prayer shawl out. Think about it. And just use this as a time to, to sit and grow closer to God. Okay? So let's look at some questions here. What am I holding back from Jesus? What am I holding back from other people? Why am I holding it back? What does it look like for me to throw my coat on the road? What is my coat? What do I need to throw on the road for Jesus? What do I have to give to Jesus? What can I give to Jesus? Okay. What outward items reveal my current responsibilities? Right? If you're a doctor, you wear the white coat. Right? If you're a firefighter, you wear the, you know, the uniform, the badge. Right? How will people know Jesus is Lord when they see you? How do people see Jesus in you? Not so much in what you wear, but what you do. What special gifts have I received from a family member, right? Coat of many colors, what, what have I received? What are my family's stories? What do they reveal about us? And how is God working through my family? Right? God works through every family. Every family's dysfunctional. How is God working through your family? Right? How do I inadvertently participate in the oppression of others? When do I smack someone in the face? When do I get the coat of many colors? Right? What can I do about it? When have I wanted someone to get what they deserve? And when and how did I retaliate? And who do I need to work toward reconciliation with right now? Who is God calling you to work reconciliation right now? So we think about not holding anything back from God. The good news that we're going to celebrate next Sunday, we celebrate every Sunday, is that Jesus did not withhold anything from us. That Jesus looked down on the earth and saw that we are good, we've been created in his image, we do a lot of good things, but sometimes we choose to do the wrong things, and we hurt ourselves, we hurt other people, and it brings guilt into the world, it brings shame into our lives, it brings broken relationships, which the Bible describes as hell. And Jesus said, that's not what I intended. And so Jesus gave up everything. He gave up heaven, he came to the earth, he became a human being while still being God, and as a human, he was frail and he was betrayed by those closest to him he was rejected he was arrested for something he didn't do he was tortured and he was killed on a cross so that he could come back to life and forgive us of the wrong things that we do and take away our guilt and take away our shame take away our death take away our hell and instead give us life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven jesus withheld Jesus withheld nothing from you. Receive that great gift of salvation. Hold nothing back from the one who gave everything.